tonight is, can a Christian be demon-possessed? And you're immediately going to say, no, he can't. So I would agree with that, but why do we say that? That's going to be the topic of tonight's, and maybe even next week's lesson. Uh, I want you to be able to answer from the Bible why we don't believe in that, or why we disagree uh, with that. All right, from your outline, and I'll try to cover that, and we'll just go from there. Uh, No discussion would be replete, if you would, without answering the question... And to a large extent, how you answer the question, can a Christian be uh, possessed by a demon spirit? And so that would be the question. Now, what the semantic, which I finally, finally, the penny dropped finally with me on that, was when they go to this word, and this is the word they get stuck on, S-S-E-S-S-E-D. Now, I've always thought about this as demon-possessed, as controlled by someone's the demon's demonic spirits inside and controlling them. Well, see, they think of the word possessed as ownership. So they don't want to use the word possessed. It's my possession, I own it. That's where they're coming from. Which I'd, So if you think about it like that, so this possessed, they'd rather say they are demonized, but they don't really want to say that they are uh, possessed. Like we would say possessed, and I didn't turn my thing on. I'm looking for my phone. Just a second here. <laughs> Sorry. Hmm? Uh, do I want your phone? Probably. Probably going once. So they don't, want to, they don't necessarily want to use... I just had it right up here. There it is. All right. Come on now. Work with. If you're tuning in online, we are, we are in the various passages talking about demon possession. Can a Christian be that? We would say no. Uh, but a lot of ministries are founded upon the idea, the premise, that even a believer can be possessed by... This word again, possessed by or controlled by... So. We, again, they think of possession as an ownership. Of course, Satan, they would say, owns nothing. So how can a Christian, you know, how can the demon possess somebody, but they can control them? And so that's a little bit more into that. So first of all, we see number one is a duo. There are two views. Question number one, and I put no on my answer. Can a Christian be indwelt and controlled by a devil or a demon, fallen or evil angel? And I have put no on mine. Now, the answer for some would say yes, though they necessarily do not want to use that phrase demon-possessed, but they would rather say demonized. So if I say demonized, it could be oppression from the outside, it could be something, or it could be, in their thinking, demonized could be something from the inside. And so that's how they're able to skirt around that. And so they would use those te- these two big words here, diomazomai, whatever it is, and dia- whatever these two words, these Greek words, which just simply means those are the two words used in our New Testament, where we'll see in a moment how they are used to describe demon possession, etc. But again, they don't want to use the word owned. So if you are possessed even as a believer in their thinking, by a demonic spirit, then you must have what done to you? You must cast it out. So what is that called today? Exorcism. Exorcism. So they would actually train you how that you can learn how to exorcise the demon from you as a Christian. But just think of, just jumping ahead, think of the fallout. If a believer can be succumbed to the influences of a demonic spirit just as much as an unbeliever, why do we have God? It, the Holy Spirit lives inside us, and so to say that we are susceptible to being possessed by a demonic spirit as the unbeliever, but we have 
Christ in our lives. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so it's going to be, diff- I just can't go that far with them. Yes, we can be oppressed. Yes, we can be tempted. But to be completely indwelt and controlled by the Holy Spirit is already there. And so I would say no. Bottom page one says there are mothers who answer no. They would argue that a demon cannot indwell a believer because the believer is indwelt by the Spirit. They affirm that a demon can attack a believer. That's your first blank. Attack, deceive a believer, tempt a believer, and even oppress physically and mentally a true believer. And notice these all are what? External activities. So there is attack, deceive, tempt, and oppress. So they're external. These are things that can be done externally, but not internally. In a way, you have to sort of, sometimes I think yoga is giving a chance for those to to enter. You're clearing your mind. It's like when people want to throw out Christianity or uh, whatever, it's not that they want to avoid. They're going to fill it with something. If you throw out the belief in Israel as God's chosen people, then you're going to fill it with something else. We've just seen that in this last couple of weeks in America. They've thrown out the belief that Israel should be supported. There's not going to remain a vacuum. There's going to be where we're going to decide look at something else. So we're going to throw out Christ or God as the creator, so we're going to fill it with evolutionism. Or we're not going to worship God, but we're going to worship something. And so that's, part, that's all part of the worship. We're going to worship somebody, something, etc. So notice that these are external to the, to the spirit soul. Now, why do I say spirit soul? Can you briefly tell me why I would say spirit or spirit soul? What's the two primary views of this right here? Trichotomy and dichotomy. D-I-C-D-I-C-O-T-O-M-E and T-R-T-R-I-C-O-T-O-M-E. Die too. So if you're a dichotomist, you believe that the body and soul-spirit are one and the same. Soul-spirit are together. If you're a trichotomist, you believe in the body, the soul, the seat of the emotion, and the spirit, the eternal spirit. So if you're a trichotomist, I, I tend to lead to be a trichotomist. I see the body. The science calls it even animals have s- emotions. And spirit, eternal spirit. Now, see, we've become a soul winner. We don't say a spirit winner. So a soul winner is, they would be a dichotomist if you say a soul winner because that's their eternal spirit. So it's, it's, it's whatever you think. I think God's a God of three, and that's why I think body, soul, spirit. And so, but you can, you can certainly differentiate with that uh, with me on that. So we find the duo. There are two, uh, two, uh, Views. Interestingly enough, a long time ago, there was a listing of symptoms if you were demon-possessed. This is from uh, a long, long time ago. It says, to think oneself possessed, might be, you might be demon-possessed if you think you're possessed, to lead to a wicked life, to be persistently ill, falling into heavy sleep and vomiting unusual things, either natural objects, toads, serpents, worms, iron, stone, etc., or artificial objects, nails, pins, etc. You might be demon-possessed if you're vomiting those out. To blaspheme, to make a pact with the devil, to be troubled with spirits, to show a frightening and horrible countenance, to be tired of living, to be uncontrollable and violent, to make sounds and movements like an animal. All those things, might, people might think that you are demon-possessed. So if we leave the foundation of Scripture and 
once you leave that, then anybody else can say what they want to, and you, how can you argue? Well, I think I've seen him do that. I've, I've, I've seen Pastor Tim vomit out frogs. So he must be that then. So we have to stick with what the Word of God says. So definition, what is demon possession? Uh, from this book called A Holy Rebellion, Strategy for Spiritual Warfare. It says the New Testament uses more than one term to refer to demon possession. The first term's on your board. A participial form of the more commonly used noun for devil, as you're turning to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, use it translated to be to demon possessed, etc. Let's look how it's translated. It's used 13 times all in the Gospels. This Greek word, Matthew 4.24 first. So get your dialing fingers ready, and we'll go right to God's word. Matthew 4.24. 4.24. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils. I, every time I read these, I get one impression. These words, either one, that it's clearly someone is indwelt by, but again, they want to use this sem- jump semantically around and say, well, possessed doesn't, we don't like possessed because a demon can't own anything, so we, don't want, we want to use demonized. And demonized just depends what degree you're in. So even they would say, those who are pro-Christians being indwelt by demons, well, yes, it's just a degree of how much whether they're oppressing you outside or they're controlling you on the inside. I, I see a big difference in Scripture. There's a big difference between demon oppression and possession. 8.16, same book, 8.16, Matthew 8.16. We see the word again, even when they even was come, or when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. Now, what does that mean? What, I've always thought one thing, possessed with devils, you are controlled by. There's something living inside you. Uh, 8.28. And when he was coming to the other side of the country, to the Gergesenes, there met two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs. Now we know that that one, because the guy, said, the, the, guy the demonic spirit said, my name is Legion, right? And that was, that's really a title, because there was a lot of other in there, I believe, other than just him. A Legion could have been up to 6,000 in the Roman army, I believe. And so probably a lot in there. And when they ran, or when they got into the pigs, was it 2,000 swine, ran into the Sea of Galilee and drowned. And so that was demon possession, controlled by and dwelt by. And in chapter, uh, let's see, same book, 33, hmm, yes. And they that kept them fled, same 833, and went their ways into the city and told everything. And what was befallen to the possessed of the devils? So you were controlled by. Again, they, the, those who are for Christians being possessed, well, that word possessed, we don't like that. But really, clearly, I think clearly in Scripture, I, I've never really waffled on it. I'm, it's all, very clear every time. 9.32 says, For us here, and as they went out, behold, that brought uh, to him a dumb man possessed with a devil or demon. And 12.22, 12.22 says, For us here... And there was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him. And so much the blind and dumb both spake and saw. The demons don't always call blindness and dumbness, and you can't equate someone being blind with a demonic spirit. It happens sometimes. And one more, John 10, 21. John 10, 21. If you would please there, same word. All this is the same word, the first word on the board. 10, 21. <laughs> and others said... These are not the words of him that hath a devil, 
Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Speaking of Jesus, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. So it's not someone who is controlled by an evil spirit. So the second word on there has to do as like is, uh, is the same type of, from the basic Greek word. It means to convey the idea of subject is characterized by having a demon indwell him. So this second one, there's really no question, I don't think, hardly anybody's part. Those absolutely, when this word is used, you are controlled by and dwelt by a demonic spirit. And so that's, again, let's see the, just for a moment, Matthew 18, 11, 18. Matthew eleven eighteen, please, if you would. Eleven eighteen. So we're trying to set the stage for Scripture. It's pretty clear, I think, on saying and showing that how is a controlling feature. Matthew eleven eighteen. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He hath a devil. What a thing to say of John the Baptist. He is he has a devil inside. It's never that. There's a devil running around and oppressing him. It's every time in Scripture, it's someone, I think clearly so far, it's someone who has a demon inside controlling him. Luke chapter 7, verse 33. And here's the word again. Luke, Luke 11, 7, 33. Luke 7, 33 says for us, And John the Baptist came neither eating bread or drinking wine, and ye say, He hath a devil. He has the same word there, 827 of the same book. Luke 827 says for us here, And he went forth to the land, there met him a man of the city, certain man which had devils a long time and wear no clothes, and neither abode in any house but in the tombs. Same, same scenario. We saw different, different uses of the word, but the same demoniac of Gadara. So really, I, I, I struggle with going anywhere other than these words, as used in the Scripture, especially in the Gospels, always seem to allude to demonic possession or in, uh, inside internal control, etc. 720 of John. 720 of John. It says words here. The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who said that of Jesus? Thou hast a devil. 848, what a horrendous thing to say. 848, and says, this last one, the Jews said, and they answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Can you imagine accusing Jesus, the Son of God, of having a devil inside and controlling him? So those that seek this, to prove this want to say that believers can be possessed of the unholy spirit. Those who believe in summary on your page two, believe that a Christian can be demonized, make no substantial distinction between oppressed by a demon and being possessed by a demon. Someone tempted, attacked, influenced without, from without is in view, demonized in their thinking, so too is one indwelt by a demon. So it's a matter of degree. So they would say, this, they want to call this demonized, D-E-M-O-N-I-Z-E-D. Now you well know that in our translation of Scripture, we don't have the word demon, period. We have devils, plural. We have the devil, but we have devils instead of demons. And so they both refer to the same thing, fallen angels, I believe, clearly, in Scripture, Fallen angels, spirits. And how can they know? How can they know? How can they see even the spirit? How can you know? This, there's a lot of stories, and from, especially from other than America, about Christians who have been repossessed. You have got, I was asked this question Tuesday. How is it, the people who never hear the gospel, this is my, 
how do they, do they go to heaven if you've never heard the gospel? That's one of the age-old questions. I said, what we have to do, we have to go, we cannot stray. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And how shall they hear? You know, he cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So they can see that there is a creator. And I said, personally, I think if they're really seeking God, we'll send them some way to hear the gospel, a tract, a missionary, a, show, a, a podcast now, or something. That's my personal opinion. But you cannot simply bump people into heaven without ever receiving Christ and have their sins forgiven. I said, you cannot go to heaven as you are in your sin. You just can't sit because he's sinless. You can't live there with him. That was a good question. I thought one of the better questions I've had at the, the Bible study. The same guy was there again Tuesday, and a couple of times he raised his hand. He works a puzzle over here on the right, on my right, and he's working a puzzle. And I, one time he turned around and goes, I just... I ignored him. I did, I did. <laughs> then one time I had, I had, I had to move my, my, my Juno system over to another place because the guy says echoing in his ear. I said, you have a hearing aid? No, but it's echoing in his ear. So I said, okay, I moved it over. And while I was moving it, this guy over here started. And for, after I got a moment, I said, now, don't get up. we don't want to get off track now. And so I went back on to where I was. And he didn't ask any more questions after that. Or, he doesn't ask questions. He has the un usual, I don't know where he gets these ideas from, but he has these unusual ideas to share. He, and, he wants to, and once he gets started, it's hard to cut him off. So I'll have to admit, he raised his hand, but I didn't acknowledge he raised his hand. I just went right on. But he's not sitting at the table at the Bible study. He's working a crossword puzzle over Yenner. So anyway, summary for the people like me, those who deny that a Christian can be demon-possessed would draw a sharp distinction between demon indwelling a person from within and a demon attacking or tempting or oppressing a person from without. While we agree that a demon can attack a believer from without, we deny that a demon can control a believer from within. I believe that's part of the wonderfulness of Christ indwelling us. It's like when a demon comes to knock and you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit answers the door. I like the illustration. The Holy Spirit says, well, no, he's already here. So, any thoughts before we go further? As we're turning to, I think it's first. Well, just first Samuel, just a minute. Demon possession. Then we mean indwelt by, controlled by a demon, etc. On page two, question two: Does Scripture teach that this can be true of a believer to be demon possessed? No, I don't think so. This is no small distinction because a large teaching of the sum in the church today is that we must exercise demons from Christians, and Christians can be controlled by the demon of gluttony or lust, etc. And some churches, they have you go to the front and throw up in, 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 in garbage cans to spit the demon out. How do you know if it comes out or not? You, we can't see that. So it's a lot of conjecture at best. Three... What are the consequences if believers are just as susceptible to all the influences of Satan and to his control as unbelievers? That's a difficult... What's the, it's, it's a bad road to start down. Well, the consequence, if we, if we can, under that influence, that we're going to have to have that removed from us, our standing in Christ then is no more secure from the devil than that of the unbeliever? In fact, we are just as open to his attack and control as the rankest pagan if the Christian can be indwelt by and controlled by a demon. You see, when you start down that road, you don't look at the end of the road. Well, I think it's okay. I think it might happen somewhere. So we're going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Well, then when you say yes, what about the fallout of all you are starting to do? 
the danger, page three, experience-based theology. We must be sure that our understanding of demon possession is based on biblical data and not on experience or clinical research. That's why when the guy asked the question yesterday, I said, we must, what does the Bible say? If we stray from that, our hearts go out. And our hearts here go out to people who've never heard the gospel. I, mean, I said, part of it is because the church, we haven't done our job. And we haven't spread the gospel as we should have. Our hearts go out, but you can't, you can't circumvent God's clear teaching in order for my heart to be soften or, or feel better about something. God says we must, he must be a part of it. You must, by grace through faith in him. You can't get to heaven without Jesus. In the 1040 window some years back, 95% of the people who live in that little that big window between the, the, the quarter around the equator in Asia never hear the gospel once, 95%, the true gospel. And we hear it every time, in some form, typically every service we come to. We're, we're fortunate, yes? I, I think that a lot of those, those preachers are collecting those demons in people's hearts so they can I'd probably pick somebody else. I'd, pre- I'd probably start with somebody else. That's, that's going to be a that's going that's to be a hard sell. Shall we move forward? On the first part, uh, yes, I believe. Uh, could very well be. I mean, if, if I can prove that you're sick, then I've got the answer for your ailment. So Stephanie was standing behind a lady, I don't know her name, but she was saying just in the line today at Kroger how that she was, the devil's beating her up all day because she went forward and they prayed over her back and she was starting to feel better, but now today it's all hurting all over again. And the devil's beating me up. It's, do you see the wrong direction? Lord, please give me some relief for that. I think a lot of it too could be possible. It's like a, a feel good, but if they're doing it, it's got to be better. If, if Bud's going to pray over my back, I'm going to get better. And so I start feeling better for a couple of days, and then it goes back to normal. Then what do you do then? Have I got the demon back? I didn't mean to be funny there, but the demon, has he come and returned? Remember, remember in, the, in the New Testament where the demon was cast aside and, and the house was cleared out, and then he came back in, but the house was empty. It wasn't filled with something. It was empty, and they were able to. That's like when you empty yourself, and you're sitting with your legs crossed, like, crossed, like that, and you're, and, you're, and you're doing that little thing where you're, you should be afraid of that. Mm, empty my mind. Something's going to come in there. It's not going to be. It's, and uh, anyway, we'll just continue on. Merle Younger, uh, which I have his book. That's, uh, I forget, it's something about biblical not history or something. Merle F. F. Younger. Unger, sorry, Merle Unger, said in 52, he said, regarding demon possession, is that to, to demon possession, only unbelievers are exposed. Unger later admitted that this assertion was based on the assumption that an evil spirit could not dwell in the redeemed body together with the Holy Spirit, which I would agree with that. But by the time he published the book later in 71, he said, 
that this, that he said the change is not based on text of Scripture, but what she said was does not clearly, Scripture doesn't clearly settle the question. It wasn't the Bible that changed his mind. It was all these letters coming from people in foreign countries, especially missionaries, who somehow had believed and see that the people who had given up idol worship were again then indwelt by demons. And they said, this happened. I, there were Christians. I think of the verse in 1 John, they went out from us because they were not part of us. It says, Unger said, most Christians would hesitate to say that a believer can become demon-possessed. Such cases are rarely seen, if ever, in the United States. However, in lands where demon-energized idolatry has flourished unchecked by the gospel for ages, new believers who were delivered from demon possession have been known to become repossessed when they return to their old idols. The testimonies of numerous missionaries in pagan areas support this evidence. But I'm saying the Bible does not support that evidence. The Bible supports the evidence that the demon possession were those who did not know Christ or once you receive Christ as Savior, the Spirit comes in. But what about, what about Saul? Let's look, close with Saul before we get time before we pray. In uh, 1 Samuel 16, 14, please. King Saul. But Saul, look at Saul, Pastor Tim. Remember Saul? Yes. 1, Kings chapter, or 1 Samuel 16, 14, 16, 14. 1 Samuel 16, 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul... And an evil spirit from the Lord uh, troubled him. Troubled him. 18, 10, and 11. 18, 10. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the house, etc. And 19, 9. 19, 9. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand. So it begs the question, can we say, number one, that Saul was a believer? Can we say, number two, the Holy Spirit worked in Old Testament times as he works in the times today? So you have, he does it, exactly right. He, did not, he came on people for specific purposes, and he left people. In Psalm 51, about verse 11, restoring to me the, the Holy Spirit, you know, restoring to me the joy of thy salvation, take not the Holy Spirit from me, etc. David was clear. The Spirit's ministry on people, and was it not Samson who the Spirit would come on and he'd be able to do marvelous feats? So Saul, but, but, but Saul, he, 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 he was, what does the Bible say? It said he came on him, and the second verse said that, uh, okay, upon Saul, and the first time we read it in 1614, troubled him. It never says the evil spirit indwelled him or possessed him. Evidently, from the language here, even if you want to go, if you want to go so far as to say the spirit was in there too, it didn't, doesn't ever say it indwelled him. It was external. So I don't think that you can build your case that a Christian in today's... By the way, why does the Spirit... Why is it different today? Why does the Spirit have a different ministry today? Why did the Old Testament people not have the Holy Spirit living inside them all the time? Why do we have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit living inside us all the time on this side of the cross? Exactly. Sent to comfort us. Very good. Sent to comfort us. He's given us a... and Old Testament time, who, someone told me, was it, someone said Sunday about we're really God's stepchildren, is either you or Mr. Gary in the back. But, uh, but in Old Testament time, what did you have to do to be a Christian for the most part, to be saved? What did you have to do to be saved? In Old Testament time, you had to come under the religion of the 
Jewish, you had to be a Jewish Israelite proselyte. So the, the gospel really was centered with the Jews. Now, and so, and wasn't there a larger wall of separation between Jehovah, Jehovah, Yahweh, and, oh, yes, there was. One person, one time a year, could go into the presence of God on the Day of Atonement. We have just gone into the presence of God a few moments ago by praying. And through the intercession of the Spirit, we have so much more. And sometimes I think we're just so much weaker Sometimes, and, and the people in the Bible time, not saying everybody, but we as a church, we have, we have, we have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we, have, we can read about God any time we want. We should be grateful, should we not? I should be grateful. I sort of chafe, though, at, sometimes at, at, at the conviction of sin. We should be glad. When God stomps on our toes, we should welcome that and change. If you don't wake up, you may two before next time. So I would take the stomping on your toes, you know, I need, what am I doing? I need to change. So we are, are, are blessed beyond measure. And there's three things in the outline uh, as we pray. Before I pray, on page uh, four. Number one, the evil spirit is said to have been sent from God, not Satan. Very good point. Two, the evil spirit had the tormented Saul is said to leave when David played his harp. No demon spirit ever left at somebody playing music. This is my on the piano. And you know how music was spelled in the, in the Old Testament? M-U-S-I-C-K. Music for the sick. Anyway, and good, all good points. And the last, the text all say the evil spirit came upon Saul and would depart from upon him. The text never says the evil spirit entered into Saul. So case closed on that one, but we'll return and close it up next time. We would have prayed. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you do watch over us. And I do believe, Lord, you protect us through the spirit. You protect us from, from being indwelt, controlled by. But Lord, we, we still sin. Lord, help us to be see sin as exceedingly sinful. May we see what you allow into our lives to make us grow to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.